0: Hello and welcome to the Highly Strange Podcast with Lewis and Sarah. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm good, I'm good. Yeah? How are you?
0: Yeah, not too bad, not
1: too bad. I was going to ask you, do you like my necklace? (laughs) Oh, it's lovely. This is the one I ordered when I was under under general anaesthetic.
0: Oh, you decided to stick with it then?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Because it's got like a little yin and yang thing on it, which I like to think is... um, the paranormal stories and the alien stories coming together,
0: Oh in a,
1: you know a beautiful way. Never judging each other's stories, <laughs> never belittling <laughs> each other's stories, and living in harmony.
0: <laughs> well, today we've got a rare alien story from me, because you know I've been doing some weird stories recently, but I thought we'd go back to our roots.
1: Having a break from your internet mysteries.
0: Having a break from the internet mysteries. There's a few more, but we'll come back to them at some point. Okay, I'm here for I'll it. I'll try and find one that's not objectively nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so, we good to go? I am you ready. ready. To learn? You ready to learn another alien tale?
1: Every day's a school day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you learn absolutely
1: nothing listening <laughs> to this.
0: When we think of UFO encounters, we rarely think of the physical harm that may come along with them. The great majority of encounters or sightings end with a spectator having an interesting story to tell their grandchildren.
1: Thanks to you, I just think of cow anus.
0: (laughs) Before before me, you very rarely thought of cow
1: anus. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just thinking about mutilated cow's arse now.
0: (laughs) Some end up with a psychological trauma associated with the alleged abduction phenomenon, but some people are actually injured, burned by the interstellar or interdimensional crafts mechanism, perhaps suffering from the effects of whatever technology it embraces. Mm -hmm. Talking about technology, today I'm using bionic reading. This is the thing that's taken Facebook and I can actually read a paragraph and I haven't cocked up already.
1: It's going well. You're it's going good.
0: really well because it sort of bolds the first half of every word. So I'm starting every every <laughs> word like this. <laughs> Whilst UFO sightings can and often are easily explained away, it is these cases where the witnesses becomes a victim that are much harder to dispel. So we're going, we're going aliens, we're going what we love the most on Highly strange. Weird um, acronyms.
1: Oh, okay. That no one remembers. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember any of the ones you said before.
0: <laughs> oh, well, we're in for a bit of a, a lesson again. <laughs> when the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Programme, ATIP, <laughs> revealed themselves <laughs> to the public in 2017, there was much excitement within the UFO community.
1: Here's a tip. It's all bollocks, not joking. <laughs>
0: Will you shut up? <laughs> Headed by Lou Elizondo, ATIP, through a contract awarded to Bigelow Aerospace Advanced <laughs> Space Studies, or BASS,
1: right. worked on
0: compiling <laughs> UFO interactions over the last several decades. When this news was revealed, our favourite newspaper...
1: Oh...
0: The Sun. Oh, I was going to say, the Sun or
1: Daily Mail wasn't quite sure
0: to get involved. (laughs) Shit rag number one. We've definitely mentioned A Tip and Bass when we spoke (laughs) about Skinwalker Ranch, (laughs) because then we spoke about our favourite UFO. Bass, I remember.
1: I don't think I remember A Tip.
0: Did we? I think we did because we spoke about Tom DeLonge.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, and that's
0: all a part of that. The Sun riding the coattails of renewed public interest in UFOs filed a Freedom of Information request to the American Department of Defence, hoping to find a scoop. Well, it took over four years, but their request was accepted and they were given 1,500 documents, totaling 1,574 pages of UFO literature and reports. Whilst The Sun, being The Sun, described these as X-Files, <laughs> there is one report in particular that is rather interesting. The report titled Anomalous Acute and Subacute Field Effects on Human and Biological Tissues, investigates injuries to human observers by anomalous advanced aerospace systems.
1: Okay, so this is only the Sun that reported it?
0: Yeah, the Sun requested this and they got all these files back from the Department of Defence. The official government report claims that humans have been found to have been injured from exposures to anomalous vehicles especially airborne and when in close proximity. So this is all official. This is all coming from official sources. Okay. It's all very exciting, but yet nobody cares. (laughs) Standard. Because it was, it'd be a couple of weeks ago when this comes out, but they did a, a thing in America, like a Senate hearing about this. They did a public one, then a behind closed doors one. And even though it's the most exciting subject in human history, it was still very dull. They, yeah, yeah. You know, like old white men talking about UFOs.
1: <laughs> so are they reporting on only things that have happened in the US?
0: Um, I believe it's mostly US, but I think there is... Oh, no, I think this is all US, yeah. Okay. This is all US only, yeah.
1: Sorry, I just wondered, obviously, the Sun is UK paper. So the wondered... Sun
0: is U- UK paper, but they wanted a scoop. Okay. Because this all got big. So... Back to to this report that the Sun got. The report noted that often these injuries are related to electromagnetic radiation and links them to energy-related propulsion systems. It lists injuries such as heating and burn injuries from radiation, damage to brain, and the ability to impact people's nerves. Quote, sufficient incidents slash accidents have been accurately reported and medical data acquired, as to support a hypothesis that some advanced systems are already deployed and opaque to full US understandings. It goes on. The medical analysis, while not requiring the invention of an alternative biophysics, do indicates the use of, to us, unconventional and advanced energy systems.
1: Okay.
0: So this all sounds very technical, governmental. Yeah. But what it's saying is essentially that they have reported like medical incidents that can only be explained by. I like,
1: are they calling some of them accidents? As well. Accidents, mm. yes.
0: By unconventional and advanced energy systems.
1: Okay. So something that we're not aware of.
0: Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Unconventional is a great word. The report added that it had 42 cases from medical files and 300 similar unpublished cases where humans have been injured after anomalous encounters. While we're still not privy to the exact cases found in these reports, as the sun had failed to follow up on them once the scoop had been lost or a celebrity shat themselves in public (laughs) and distracted them, there are a few cases that we know of where people have been injured Mm, by UFOs. Everybody
1: that lives in Liverpool just doesn't know this story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Scousers are not interested in aliens. But yeah, no, that's the thing. The Sun have this huge library of reports and they just didn't follow up on any of it. Standard. Whether that means it's like not interesting to them or they just couldn't be bothered, they didn't have the resources to go through mm-hmm. it all, which is probably more I likely. I guess
1: the only good thing is, is that doesn't devalue it in the slightest because the Sun don't print yeah <laughs> useful, truthful articles anyway.
0: The Sun could not be bothered to go through their X-Files. No. So I've got two, two cases today. One's like a small one, and I've like got a big one. So we can do the small one first. Okay. Stop laughing. <laughs> this is a mature podcast. <laughs> Stephen Mikulak was searching for minerals along Falcon Lake, 80 miles east of Winnipeg, Manitoba, on May the 20th, 1967, when he heard the cackling of geese. This is about geese. Okay. This is a geese podcast now. (laughs) Highly goose. (laughs) (laughs) Looking up into the early afternoon sky, he saw two glowing oval-shaped objects on a steep, swift descent. One abruptly stopped its downward flight while the other continued, landing on a flat rock outcropping 160 feet away. Mikolak carefully approached the strange craft, which looked like a bowl with a dome on top. 40 feet wide and 15 feet high... It emitted a humming sound and a sulphur stench. On the bottom half, just below the rim of the bowl, was a door-like opening which muffled voices emanated. They sounded like humans, he reported. I was able to make out two distinct voices, one with a higher pitch than the other.
1: Is that normal, actually? Because I don't think I've ever read an alien encounter where they discuss what they talk like. Is it normal to hear, like, oh, they did sound like humans?
0: There's some, yeah, like, what was the one we did where they sound like they were barking? That was Mm. the one where they had, like, sex. Yeah, yeah. They, like, barked and that. But mostly they're, like, telepathic. You don't normally hear physical voices.
1: Okay. Interesting.
0: I wondered if they were listening to us. (laughs) (laughs) Two distinct voices, one with a high pitch and the other. We
1: are out of this world. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes.
0: (laughs) Thinking he was dealing with a terrestrial craft, he addressed the speakers in several languages asking if he could help. He got no answer. He poked his head through the opening into the interior, seeing only a maze of lights. At that moment, three panel doors slid across and sealed the opening. As Mikulak stepped back, he touched the vehicle's exterior. It was so hot that it burned his gloves. Suddenly, the object rose. expelling hot air through a grid-like vent and causing Mikulak's shirt to erupt into flames. An attack of nausea overtook him. When doctors later examined Mikulak in a Winnipeg hospital a few hours later, they noted a dramatic burn pattern all across his chest, exactly like the grid Mikulak had described on the UFO's underside. Mikulak continued to suffer from prolonged bouts of diarrhoea, headaches, blackouts and continued weight loss, eventually seeking help from the Mayo Clinic. Now we hear about the Mayo Clinic a lot. Mm. It just makes me think of mayonnaise. It's not something we have here. It, I don't know if it's just one specific clinic or is it like I a... I don't
1: know. When I was younger, I thought it was like the American term for the gum clinic. But obviously it's not. The gum clinic? <laughs> yeah.
0: I think it's like a... Um, is it like a franchise of doctors?
1: Yeah, I think so. If, if you're American and we're wrong, let us know.
0: Yeah, please let us know. It's wild to me that you can have a franchise of doctors. But we'll be there soon. The Mayo Clinic's report determined that Mikulak was of sound mind. His physical condition following the event was consistent with that of radiation poisoning, but tests administered at Pinawa, Manitoba following the incident came up negative. Mikulak allegedly lost 13 pounds following the incident, with his lymphocyte count drastically falling to near-lethal levels. He continued to suffer from intermittent reappearances of his burns, and its effects would never fully subside by the time he passed away in 1999.
1: That's weird. So they were like almost healing and then coming back. The
0: burns would come back, yeah. Mm. The Falcon Lake incident remains one of the most well-documented UFO cases in Canadian history and has never been fully debunked. I mean, I think one day we probably will go back and do an episode, a full episode on this, because there's a whole section with a response by the Canadian government... And also his wife hated him for this afterwards. Like, they got divorced and everything. She just accused him of lying, even though he was going to do radiation poisoning and God. constant ill health.
1: It's the last thing you need, isn't it? Divorce on top.
0: Yeah, like, just a supportive other half, you know. <laughs> so, now we're on to the big one. That was the little one. That was a okay. little teaser. Now we're onto to the big one. Okay. Sometime between 8.30 and 9.30pm on December the 29th, 1980, Betty Cash, Vicky Landrum, and her seven-year-old grandson, Colby Landrum, were on their way home to Dayton, Texas. A nighttime drive along FM 1485 in the piney woods of East Texas is a lonely, somewhat spooky one to begin with. But on this particular night, this routine drive became a life-changing event. The three were searching the local area for any games of bingo that were being played that night. <laughs> But unfortunately, all games had been called off with the run-up to the New Year's celebrations. Instead, they settled for a meal at a roadside restaurant in New Caney. After leaving the restaurant sometime around 8.45, they drove along FM 1485, a little country road normally only used by people who lived in this isolated area of the world. Although only about 50 kilometers from Houston, the area is sparsely populated and is covered by oak trees, pine trees and dotted with swamps and lakes. It was at this point that seven-year-old Colby spotted a star in the sky that was slightly brighter than the others.
1: Can I just ask, I'm confused with my timings here. So they were driving around between half eight and half nine but left a restaurant at 845
0: yeah, so it was, this all took place roughly between half eight and half nine, but it's roughly, again, at nine, okay. 8.45. Don't question my timeline, please. You know, <laughs> my timelines are always <laughs> very specific.
1: If you're on this timeline.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, ever since I've done John T, so I don't know what timeline I'm on. I'm Jumping on.
1: about on the place.
0: As they drove on, the lights appeared to grow larger and larger, Soon, they realised that the light was rapidly approaching the road, and was now only a short distance ahead of them. They began to get worried, but sped up in order to get by it, and leave it behind. But before they could do so, the light had settled over the road, blocking their way. Now within eyeshot, they noticed that it wasn't just a light, but it was a solid object. Unlike many other UFOs, this was not the usual shape or form you would expect it was described as a giant diamond. Vicky Landrum would later describe it as being like a diamond of fire. Mm. So my best way to describe this to you, you've mentioned this before. You, okay. you you should get this reference. In The Sims, you have a giant green icon <laughs> over a character's <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. head. Yep, yep. This is exactly what this looked like.
1: Because yep. that kind of like reflected and stuff as well, didn't it? Yeah, like glimmered. Yeah. Okay.
0: At regular fast intervals, the object would shoot down a stream of reddish-orange flames, threatening to incinerate anything in its path. At this point, it's prudent to mention that Vicky Landrum was a huge born-again Christian Mm -hmm. and never believed in UFOs or extraterrestrials. But at this moment, she genuinely believed she was witnessing the return of Jesus Christ.
1: (laughs) Okay, I mean, I can get that. In In a flaming, giant hovering diamond. Yeah, but that's like how they find Jesus, isn't it? Follow the brightest star in the sky.
0: Over a road in rural Texas?
1: <laughs> I'm not saying it completely matches up.
0: <laughs> Almost 2,000 years later?
1: <laughs> I... <laughs> Why not?
0: The object hovered about 60 feet over the road, and Vicky screamed for Betty to stop the car, afraid that they would be burnt to a crisp if they drove under the object. In fact, as they stopped the car, Vicky touched the dashboard, and the intense heat being emitted from the craft actually began to melt the vinyl dashboard, leaving a visible handprint in the now pliable surface. So they they could actually um, like manually ply their their dashboard. It was mm. that hot. My car would be a puddle. <laughs> Betty got out the car to have a better look at the object and escape the sweltering heat in the car but was unable to see it very clearly due to the bright light emitted by the flames belching from the bottom. It looked as if it was made from dull aluminium and glowed so bright that it lit up the surrounding forest like daylight. The four points of the diamond were blunt rather than sharp, and blue spots or lights ringed its center line. Had the UFO not come to rest over the roads, the cone of fire from its lowest point would have set the forest on fire. So, like normally, I'd be like, "Why have you got out the car like we've done we've said this before, don't get out the car, but the car was the almost car. on fire, and it was melting <laughs> from the inside, so for once, I will let them off.
1: Yeah, almost safer outside
0: so surprisingly, the nearby trees weren't burnt, but there was a later report that they were browned okay, so
1: so something happened to them, yeah so something definitely
0: happened to them, yeah. The craft, many times larger than the car, remained hovering at treetop level, sending down an occasional large cone of fire, much like the fiery blast of a rocket's engine. In between these blasts, it would only rise up again on the next cone of fire. So it was sort of hovering, and then it would dip, and then it would shoot flames, and it would rise back up, it was doing that sort of thing. A bit rickety. As the bewildered group continued to witness the craft return of Jesus, (laughs) the sky was suddenly full of helicopters. Betty said, they seemed to rush in from all directions. It seemed like they were trying to encircle the thing. The craft lifted into the air and headed southwest, pursued by the helicopters. Betty and Vicky managed to actually count 23 helicopters in pursuit, which is amazing that they were able to accurately count how many helicopters there were Mm. in the sky, and I also wouldn't be thinking about counting the helicopters.
1: No. I always think that because, you know, like it's, I know it's not the same, but, you are know, like if you have a car accident or something and someone's like, oh, did you get their number plate? And you're like, no.
0: <laughs> like, no, I was like scared, scared for my life. Scared, yeah. yeah. I've never had a car accident in my life.
1: Well, fucking you. <laughs>
0: So, remember the helicopters, they will be a bit important. Okay, 23,
1: okay. 23.
0: You don't have to remember the numbers. Oh, okay, gone. (laughs) (laughs) You are not as good as Betty. (laughs) As Betty returned to the car, the door handle was so hot she could hardly touch it, the heat nearly burning her hands. Using her coat sleeve, she managed to get the door open and climbed in. After the object had left the area, they restarted their vehicle, hoping to get home and never see the craft again. As they left the country road and joined a freeway, the object was now in distance, but still clearly illuminated its surroundings, and the helicopters giving chase. They had spread out over 8 kilometres around the object, which was now moving much more erratically, presumably trying to lose its pursuers. Betty and Vicky identified these helicopters as the CH-47 Chinook, the military ones with two sets of rotors, the super loud ones.
1: Yeah, I've seen a Chinook thing in the sky. We get
0: them over it yeah. quite quite often, to be fair. There was also Bell Huey helicopters, single-bladed, faster ones, easily identified as those made famous during the Vietnam War. So if I was to show you a picture of them, you would know what I mean. Okay. They're like the classic, the classic ones from back in the day. As the craft and military were finally out of view, they felt safe to finally return home to Drayton. Betty dropped Vicky and Colby off and returned home where she had friends waiting for her. Their exciting evening of alien action had concluded and would be one to tell the grandchildren in the future. (laughs) If only it had ended there. Their ordeal had only just started. Oh, God.
1: Was her last name Hill?
0: (laughs) No, it wasn't. I will do an episode on (laughs) Betty Hill in the future. Betty had a friend and her children waiting for her to arrive back home. But as she did, she had already felt too ill to tell them what they had just witnessed. Over the next few hours, Betty's skin turned red as if badly sunburned. Her neck swelled and blisters erupted and broke on her face, scalp and eyelids. She's got (laughs) monkeypox. To be fair, by the time this episode comes out, we could all be (laughs) self-isolating from monkeypox. Probably. Knowing the both of us, we've probably both got monkeypox.
1: Yeah, probably. Or one of us has got it now.
0: (laughs) Well, I just saw a monkey the other day and I just, <laughs> I just had to give it a hug. I didn't even think, you know. You know, like when, during COVID and you go to the shop and like, oh, I forgot my mask. It's like you've seen, oh, I saw a monkey and I hugged it. Oh, I forgot monkey <laughs> <laughs> She started to vomit and continued to do so throughout, throughout the night. By the next morning, she was almost in a coma. Vicky and Colby suffered very similar symptoms yet not as severe as Betty's. Sometime between midnight and 2am, Vicky and Colby began to suffer similar symptoms, although less severe. At first, they suffered a sunburn-like condition, and then diarrhoea and vomiting. Betty Cash, however, was unable to get out of bed. After four days of intense suffering at home, she was admitted to the hospital, and after a series of tests, doctors concluded that she was in fact suffering from Surprise, surprise, acute radiation poisoning. Her symptoms included severe headache, nausea, oozing skin sores and hair loss. bit that gets me about that, four days
1: until she got taken
0: to hospital.
1: This is Canada, isn't it? No, this one's in America now, this Texas. Got to pay for it, yeah. Got to pay for it, yeah.
0: Vicky and Colby Landrum also showed symptoms of radiation poisoning. Less strong than Betty's, perhaps because they didn't get out the car. So this is what I'm saying. Get out the car. Don't investigate. Except this time, stay in the car. (laughs) Yeah, stay in the car. Just stay in the car. Uh,
1: I think, though, if you saw weird lights like that, like my immediate thing wouldn't be UFI. So I would get out the car to be like, oh, is that You'd think Jesus
0: Christ. Yeah. Because you're such a born-again Christian. Yeah.
1: Just You're always to talking to about Jesus. Go out, give him me frankincense and myrrh, and you know. <laughs> Which you always time. carry on you. Yeah. <laughs> Never leave the house without it.
0: <laughs> in this economy, we can't have gold though. <laughs> just frankincense <laughs> and
1: myrrh. That's why I left that.
0: That's why you gave you radiation poisoning. <laughs> Betty Cash remained in hospital for six weeks recovering from the incident. I have a quote from the Mufon article I used for this episode. You remember Mufon? I do actually
1: remember the Mufon. The mutual
0: UFO, UFO network. How Everyone could you loves forget? it. I love a Mufon article. <laughs> so, this one was written in 1998 and I could not ignore it. It is horrific, but for some reason, they really focus on one particular thing, which I want you to guess what drew my eye. It says one particular thing about in
1: this, Betty.
0: In this particular quote, I'm going to read to you that I want you to really focus in on okay since their encounter vicky and colby have been plagued with periodic outbreaks of skin troubles as if they were more susceptible to infection than before but the most far-reaching injury has been the damage to their eyes their eyelids became infected very rapidly and have never fully recovered since the incident vicky has had to have had three new pairs of spectacles with successively stronger prescriptions to match the deterioration of her eyesight. Her eyesight continues to deteriorate, and she still suffers from periodic infections. She fears that she may eventually go blind. Colby has suffered similar problems, but has needed only one new pair of glasses. (laughs) Within a few weeks of the encounter, Vicky had lost about 30% of her hair and had large bald patches on her head. When it grew back, it was of a different texture. Colby only lost a small patch of hair on the crown of his head. This, too, grew back in time. So, spectacles. There's <laughs> a portion where it just goes on about spectacles and glasses. <laughs> I suspect that everyone at MUFON wears glasses. <laughs> and that's their main thing. Everyone wears glasses at MUFON. I
1: also suspect that everyone at MUFON wears glasses. But for different reasons. <laughs> yes.
0: I'm aware that I'm wearing glasses and I've worn glasses for many years.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Betty. Betty's injuries, however, were much worse than needing new glasses. She experienced a severe sunburn-like condition and developed large water blisters, some as large as golf balls, over her face, head and neck.
1: Poor Betty.
0: One of these covered her right eyelid and extended across her right temple. She also strangely developed a long-term aversion to warm water, sunshine and other heat sources. In the year following the encounter, she spent five periods in hospital, two of those in intensive care. She lost over half of the hair on her head and also had skin eruptions, many as big as a large coin which left permanent scars. So those water blisters sound absolutely heinous, yeah. and you just want to go at it with a pin. <laughs> oh,
1: god! What? I took the cat to have an abscess burst once. And oh. that's picture. <laughs> have
0: you seen that video? I don't know what it's what it's from. it's from a BBC program where they're talking about that woman that licks the juice from a dog's anal glands off what? her leg. No. I think I... it was from a tuna sandwich. Oh, god, <laughs> she's eating a tuna sandwich and she had like some. White stuff on her own, which she thought was mayonnaise. But her dog, who had just had, like, an operation, was sitting next to her wanting oh, to eat it. So oh. she went to lick it, and she realised it wasn't tuna mayo. It was the juices from her dog's anal glands <laughs> that had just burst.
1: What do you even do after that?
0: She said it tasted like old, dusty, mouldy fish. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: <God. laughs>
0: I'll have, to find, I'll have to find the link. I'll post no, no. it on our um, socials. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, and the woman, when she was telling this, was just, like, proper gagging. <laughs> but I have no shame, so I can say it quite easily.
1: <laughs> Good for you. Don't bother me
0: whatsoever.
1: <laughs> Everyone else is just throwing up in unison right now.
0: But, like, if I saw Betty in this condition, I would, like, do a double take.
1: Yeah, Be she's going like, kind to of like the elephant man, bless her.
0: <laughs> well,
1: that's a bit mean. <laughs> I said bless her. <laughs> not there's something
0: wrong with the elephant man.
1: Uh, that's plot twist though. What if it was um, radiation from the helicopters, not the craft?
0: Oh what I never if it was
1: the helicopters brought radiation to destroy the craft?
0: The helicopters were just dashing out like rods of yeah. uranium.
1: Yeah. It was the Russians. <laughs>
0: <laughs> A radiologist who examined the witnesses' medical records for MUFON wrote We have strong evidence that these patients have suffered secondary damage to ionising radiation. It is also possible that there was an infrared component as well. Eventually, Betty would develop breast cancer, which Mm. they attributed to the incident. Thankfully, she was successfully treated. But due to ill health, Betty never worked again. She had been relatively healthy prior to exposure to the craft, aside from a heart bypass operation three years beforehand. Since... Her life was essentially ruined by it. She would pass away in December 1998, 18 years after they saw the diamond on fire in the sky. Landrum, however, lived until September 2007, passing away a week before her 84th birthday.
1: Not bad, not bad.
0: So what what do you reckon? Do Do you reckon they actually saw a UFO craft that made them sick?
1: I mean, possibly...
0: I say UFO craft, like an alien craft, or they saw something.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't, from their description of it, there's nothing that comes to mind of like, oh, it could have been that, you know?
0: It's so different from everything else. Yeah, I don't know
1: what else that could be.
0: Or anything that we have, or even any other UFO case, you don't often hear of diamond shapes. There was one in this country where someone described it as like a giant double-decker bus in the sky. Oh, Okay. But like not like a diamond.
1: Or she was on LSD and she saw Lucy in the Sky yeah. with diamonds. Yeah, Betty had just done a few
0: tabs <laughs> and she was taking a seven year old grandson
1: <coughs> Couldn't find bingo, it was like, ah, so alright, I got some LSD in Yeah,
0: bag. let's let's burn off the bingo and let's just drop some acid. But the weird thing is, is the fire it seems more like terrestrial than mm-hmm. Alien, because alien, you often think of, like, magnetic yeah. or, like, gravity or whatever. Or nowadays, it's You don't think of
1: elemental stuff, No, you, you don't think no. of them
0: launching themselves with fire.
1: Um, so it does
0: make it seem like it's almost terrestrial.
1: I don't know. Honestly, I can't, like, I'm racking my brain to think of if there's something that I could be like, oh, I suppose it could be this, but I just can't think of anything.
0: Well, I do need you to solve this case. Oh, I'm
1: sorry, I might be here uh, a while.
0: My friends at MUFON <laughs> want to know. <laughs> But this is not the end of the story. Oh, okay. Prior to their deaths, Cash and Landrum also wanted answers. In a freaky circumstance of luck, corroboration of the unknown object of that night would come the next year. In April, a Chinook helicopter flew into Dayton for the purpose of a public showing. This allowed local residents to view the machine, both inside and out. Colby spotted the helicopter as it was flying into town and became distraught. Vicky took him to the landing site, hopefully to allay his fears. As they reached the Chinook, a long line of locals had already formed, waiting to see the giant machine. As Colby watched, he had become very upset. Vicky decided to take him to the spot where the helicopter had landed, in the hope that it would seem less frightening on the ground, or to further, or to further traumatise her young ground. Just asking
1: for PTSD, isn't it really? <laughs>
0: Well, in comparison to what they saw beforehand.
1: Do you reckon diamond shape on fire could mm. have just been one end of a Chinook on fire? Because, you know, like, they kind of are, like, pointy bit, flat, pointy.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. Possibly.
1: I mean, it still doesn't explain radiation no. burns and everything else. No, but... that's
0: the thing that gets me with this. Like, that's documented that they had that, mm. you know. It's, it's... It's wild. (laughs)
1: It's highly
0: strange. Highly strange. Podcast. (laughs) When they reached the landing zone, they found a lot of people there already and had to wait some time before they were allowed to go inside the helicopter and talk to the pilot. Vicky and another visitor both claimed that the pilot said he had been in the area before for the purpose of checking on a UFO in trouble near Huffman. When Vicky told the pilot how glad she was to see him, because she had been one of the people burned by the UFO. He refused to talk to them anymore and hustled them out of the aircraft. Hmm. The UFO organisation VISIT... I don't know what the VISIT stands for. I searched for ages and I couldn't find it. So if anyone knows, let me know what the UFO organisation VISIT stands for.
1: Or are they just called VISIT because they believe people visit? They could just be called VISIT,
0: but... It was in block capital, so i just assume it's an acronym. They always are acronyms, because you know what? Nerds love an acronym.
1: They do. They absolutely do. I love an acronym. Point proved. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So Visit later located the pilot and questioned him. He admitted to knowing about Vicky and Betty's encounter with the UFO, but maintained that he had not been in the area in December and had nothing to do with any UFO. The presence of army helicopters convinced Betty and Vicky that the UFO actually belonged to the US military. On that basis, they sued the government for $20 million in damages nice. for exposing <laughs> them to radiation. Nice. Cash and Landrum wanted the government to admit its involvement and to pay for the medical expenses they had incurred. Betty Cash... Can I just say this is a ter- just a terrible sentence all the way through? <laughs> okay. That they saw a UFO, they got sick, which is awful. They had to sue the government for twenty million to pay for their health care afterwards. It's it's just it's calamity after calamity. Sabeti so Cash contacted her senators, John Tower and Lloyd Benson, and on Benson's recommendation, she met with Air Force lawyers at Bergstrom Air Force Base in Austin, Texas, to file a claim. At the request of Benson, They were interviewed by military personnel at Bergstrom Air Force Base, but were never offered any explanations or assistance. In August of 1986, their lawsuit was dismissed from the US District Court, following testimony by military and NASA officials that no such craft was owned or operated by the government, and further, that Cash and Landrum could not prove the helicopters were associated with them either.
1: Because it kind of proves their point more, though, doesn't it? I know that they were obviously trying to actually sue the government, but in terms of then, it kind of backs up the original story of it being a UFO even more.
0: What, that the government just denied everything? Yeah. Yeah. So that was that. Cash and Landrum had been stonewalled by the US government and had no official answers as to what happens that cold night in December 1980.
1: I don't know what to say. (laughs) It's a lot. (laughs) Why not?
0: Could the object the couple had seen could the object the couple had seen been a military prototype of a new Cold War weapon? A nuclear-powered weapon station invented to defeat the Russians in a future war. Told you
1: it was the Russians.
0: Kept <laughs> secret and marshaled by government helicopters. No, it was a weapon to fight the Russians, not the <laughs> Russians themselves. Or it's was... getting a bit stranger things now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Is that a spoiler? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Okay, I, I don't watch it. Or was it actually a craft from another planet and its method of propulsion was unfortunately happened to injure innocent bystanders? We'll never know the answers behind the cash landrum incident. But when you see a UFO hovering over you, blasting flames and looking like it's going to select you like you select a sim, our advice is stay away do
1: you reckon this is why sims always catch on fire <laughs>
0: <laughs> could this be some weird like episode like the twilight zone yeah where <laughs> betty and vicky were actually sim characters oh. and it was just someone's cursor over them <laughs> it's green with radiation We're living in
1: a simulation people
0: we should do an episode on the simulation theory oh
1: god I can't handle stuff like that no no I'd be divorced <laughs> really quickly <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I don't know where I sit with that. I don't actually know which theory I I go with. No. Because there's bits to kind of all of them that make sense and then other bits that leave too many questions unsolved.
0: I don't know. Yeah, like the thing that gets me is the fire that comes out of the Mm. UFO because that does not seem alien to me. But then again, a giant diamond that's flying through the air. Doesn't exactly sound no. human to me either,
1: and unheard of. I've never heard anybody describe uh, anything in the sky to be like that, no. unless they are talking about just a star
0: no and they were they were ill after it,
1: yeah, weird I don't know, I don't like that one, as you it did like, like it. that it creeps one me out. Yeah, not as in like it was rubbish, as in like <laughs> I don't like it.
0: Well, yeah, that too, but.
1: <laughs> no, as in I don't like it. No, it, I thought, I thought, it whips I me
0: out. Knew I'd find one that you would not have heard of. But this is quite a, like a well known story. Yeah, I haven't heard this one at all. Us in the
1: know. All right. Us
0: with glasses.
1: UFI. You're fucking. Oh,
0: God. Pathetic. <laughs>
1: Pathetic. <laughs> 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 I've also spelt your with an. You. <laughs> I only just realised. <laughs> utter <coughs> fucking obscenities. It's not a okay,
0: utter fucking obscenities. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Great. <laughs> At what a Practice. quality, <laughs> quality conclusion to this highly awkward, researched yeah. episode. <laughs> Which once again had me combing through Mufon articles. <laughs> my favourite activity. Can
1: you get like a subscription?
0: No, because it ended years ago. Oh. So you have to go through Web Archive and it's horrible. <laughs> you inv- invariably end up on a website which is black background and green writing.
1: Fair. So what is your theory? Or what theory do you sit with?
0: I think the most logical... Think, well, you say it's logical, but that if you say it's logical, you have to assume that aliens exist and are visiting us. But like Occam's razor suggests that it was like a craft from outer space that landed, its propulsion system unfortunately injured the people that were watching it, and then it was chased away by the US government. But I suppose Occam's razor also, if you don't believe aliens exist, was it was a US military project that was yeah. just being marshaled by helicopters i suppose it depends on what side of the fence you stand and it was at a nuclear powered reactor that that made it run and maybe the fact that it's lift up and down and it wasn't rel- flying reliably because afterwards it was flying erratically mm. so maybe it just didn't work out as a uh a project that was successful and they had to scrap it yeah
1: maybe I just wonder as well whether, like, other stories where people think they've seen UFOs or, you know, have seen UFOs, they don't... It's not normally then followed with 32 (laughs) helicopters coming Um, I
0: think it was 23. Oh,
1: I got the numbers the wrong way around. You've already forgotten. But you don't hear that normally, do you? No, you don't. Which then makes me think maybe they did know it was there. Apart from
0: more recently in the gimbal... UFO case where they it was the fighter jets that were mm. chasing the UFOs and recorded them. So there has been interactions yeah. with UFOs and like our Air Force,
1: but again, that still wasn't that amount, was it? There no. was only a few jets, wasn't it? Yeah, oh. yeah, I'm so sorry, it's got radiation poisoning Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was,
0: I knew too much.
1: Oh, well, thank you. No.
0: You've been somewhat educated on yeah. absolutely nothing.
1: No, I've I've enjoyed is the wrong word because it has made me feel a bit funny.
0: The water blisters, yeah, over definitely. your eye and temple, on your eyelid, a water blister on your eyelid, <laughs> and when you pop that,
1: oh, it's gonna be sore. <laughs> it hit her in the spectacles. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Who are you recommending this episode to this week?
1: Oh, anyone that plays the Sims. Yo.
0: <laughs> I'm going to recommend it to anyone that wears spectacles.
1: Oh nice. That's a yeah.
0: very wide net of people yeah. who should listen to the just highly got strange pretty podcast.
1: pretty much like 90% of the population. <laughs> if yeah. you're into, if
0: you're into UFOs you're wearing glasses, so.
1: Yeah. And if you're not, you probably like the Sims. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, or the other? What
0: this is great coverage this week. <laughs> But no, seriously, if you like us, do leave us a review. Do share us with your friends. Share us on Facebook or wherever. You you can find us on Facebook on Highly Strange Pod. Yeah, email us
1: at highlystrangepod@gmail.com. Or
0: slide into our DMs. I think that's what kids say nowadays. <laughs> um, and
1: don't forget, if we hit 1,000, you get to pick the episode. If
0: we hit 1,000 followers, we will
1: followers, be rewarded.
0: Well, I imagine, I'm not going to be big-headed, but I imagine we'll already have more than 1,000 followers, so let's hype send us let's messages hope. what you want us to do a story on and don't forget you can choose whatever subjects you want and whoever to write it yes, to host it so if deal. you want Sarah to do a story about water blisters
1: oh, oh then let us
0: know <laughs> you know we, we choose our, we're not going to do a vote I don't think we're just going to choose our favourite
1: oh, okay
0: I think that's the most unfair way of doing it is to choose our favourite, <laughs> and our favourite probably will be the stupidest.
1: Yeah, we'll go with it.
0: I think that's the safest way to do it. It's a it. promise, people. Yeah, it's we will do promise. that for you. We will do that.
1: Well, have well, a lovely week. Yes, we'll see you next time. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.
0: Betty had a friend,
1: and her child. Oh, what well done, you Betty. <laughs> say it like that.